Hey everybody, welcome to the Jeff and Casey Show. Hello and welcome to the Jeff and Casey Show. The only Jeff and Casey Show on the internet that I'm aware of. That's true. There is a Jeff and Casey that we, we, we slowly have pushed down lower. Oh, they're totally pushed. You search yeah. for Jeff and Casey now. They're, they yeah, got pushed. The way, all us. And then we were, someone that got yeah. married. Like, yeah, I know. We're, we're, fighting, we're fighting with like a wedding website yeah. for top Google rankings. That's where we're at. This isn't a Yahoo Google thing. This is like battle of the 200 view sites. Well, you know, um, in any battle... The smaller the number of participants, the more brutal. Fearsome it is, is. you think so? Yeah, yeah, just in general, like, because it gets to be really bad blood. It's way worse to fight somebody like... Okay, this is personal. This is personal between us and the Jeff and Casey who got married. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Anyway. Welcome to the Jeff and Casey Show. Now, you know what? I should actually bother to try to turn this tablet back on, even though we know ostensibly, ostensibly, we know what we're talking about. It's not McGruff the Crime Dog, yes. Uh, but we do know what we're talking about. But I want to look because somebody actually wrote in to prompt us, and I will say their name. Oh, okay. I see. Before we get into That's the, true. the topic, it is a person whose name, and I apologize for mispronouncing this. I feel like everyone should, when they write into a, a show that's spoken, they should say how to pronounce their name. Oh, that's true. You know, true. they should just say, Phonetic. here's how I want you to say it. It doesn't have to be right. Yeah. You can just say it however you want me to say it. If you want to say it's Throat Wobbler Mangrove is how you pronounce yeah. it, no problem. We'll do that. It's however you want it said on the, on the air. It's true. And, we, and we are an explicit. We are marked explicit on iTunes, so we can include a fucking swear word in your name. That's you, true. You can we have can anything whatever you, want you want in there. Yep. Um, so anyway, Anders Lino, or okay. Leno, I'm not right. sure how you pronounce it. He not writes Anders in, McBig Tits. Like, that's no, what we're right. going to get. Can say like, we, but that's people, fine. That's what I'm saying. We can say that on this we're show. We're okay. We're not going to get kicked we off. We don't iTunes. get kicked off because there's nothing to get kicked no, off of. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, unlike games, apparently you can say yes. anything you want on a podcast. Fuck you, Steve <laughs> Jobs. Anyway, even, even from the great, from the last, he right. strikes at thee. No, he... That asshole. Well, I anyway. just... Yeah, that link that I just tweeted the other day was like another one of those ones where... They have a bunch of in, – in that lawsuit uh, where all the tech firms were colluding to keep wages down. What? I didn't hear about this. No. So the, 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 uh, there is a lawsuit going on where Apple and HP and okay. Compaq at the time and a bunch of people all signed these agreements saying they would not poach each other's employees at all. And so, really, and yeah, that's and not legal at all, is it? That's totally illegal. I didn't think and so. so one of the interesting things is uh, the owner of Palm – uh, refused to go along with it. And he said, okay. I'll poach whoever I goddamn want. And he's like, well, okay, I don't think, and he's very rational here. He's like, I don't think that's good for either of our employees. You hired about 2% of our entire workforce to come work on the iPhone yeah. when it came out. We've hired 20 people. And, this, and the, 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 the reason this came up uh, was this is not palm fighting? It is this is um, uh, I don't know if it's a class action or if I it's see. a labor, uh, you know, labor and industries suing these companies. But they're in a lawsuit, and this discovery came out of an email exchange between the president of Palm and Steve Jobs, who is the worst. If you read the set of emails where he's just like, 
I think if you looked at our respective companies, the right. size we have to do this, right, right, and right, our right. patent portfolios, yeah, yeah, yeah. you probably don't want to do this. You really should just yeah. sign this agreement like yeah. everybody else. And he's like, I don't think that's good for either of our employees, and I don't think it's technically legal anyway. Yeah. Like he says it, and then they go back and forth, and like Jobs is, is and it's one of those things of, of no matter, I have never seen. A backdoor, a, a behind-the-scenes thing with Jobs that yeah, hasn't that made me like him, him less. less. Right. Like, yes. he was a horrible human being. And even from the standpoint of, oh, he did this and this and this. Like, he turned it around. He's a great... Even when they talk about those things, he wasn't really good. They hit... They were the first to put touch with a capacitive screen on a uh, on that on that uh uh on a phone like they hit that time that would have happened a couple within 18 19 months no matter what cuz that all that tech was coming together it wouldn't have been as smooth as the first iPhone certainly it wouldn't have been as easy to use cuz they did spend time on that and we would have got palm and stuff but in fact but the a lot of their success was a lot of the touchability of the thing and that was coming anyway so even the thing that is like oh, he brought them back, it is a good chance that Apple, having worked on the iPod, would have won that anyway. So, like, even uh, the things that they say he's good at, I don't even give him credit for that. So I guess like, I, I don't know that I would necessarily go that far because I don't have enough information for that sort of things. I, I think it's entirely possible that Steve Jobs actually is a good motivating force for that company. But it's important to understand the distinction between what a good motivating force is and whether you're a nice person or a good person or even a person with good ideas because none of those are the same thing, yes. right? So it's entirely possible that having an asshole in charge of Apple is the thing that made it work well. I don't, I'm not willing to say that that's not the true because I don't know. That, yeah. That's something well, I can't possibly know. If you read, But like, one thing I do know and that we can say for sure is that he was an asshole yeah. because I've never seen a single story about him from anyone, including Steve Wozniak, for fuck's yeah. sake, who wasn't like, this guy's an asshole and he fucked me. Right. And I, I, the, the, if you read, there's some stories about how the initial iPhone was developed and all that. If you read that, it really feels more like a confluence of events. Not, I mean, and, and certainly he made things happen in the sense that at that company – if he decided that's what the company was going to do, it happened. Like there are people like at Valve, things don't really happen until like either a critical mass happens or unless Gabe says we're doing this, right? And that's a little bit of what you get the sense of Jobs' role at Apple was of yeah. cutting through all of the bureaucracy yeah. and saying we're doing this, period. Well, I think he had so, other value too though. I mean like like I said, I don't like the guy. Yeah. And if – if I could rewrite a history where he's never in charge of anything, I'd actually prefer that history. Right. I like I like none of the things that Apple yeah. has ever done. I'm not on their side. But that said, I think Steve Jobs also had other qualities. Like one of the qualities was he can sell things to the public at large. Mm -hmm. And that is also motivating force. Because if you're at a company, like let's say you're a person who's um, – let's say Steve Jobs has none of the ideas. Like let's say he he's not essential at all for producing the product. But I'm the person, I'm the genius working at Apple or whatever the fuck who does have these ideas or I'm the team there, right? If I'm at Apple and I know that when I put together this flashy device that Steve Jobs is going to walk out on stage and every last person in the entire mainstream press is going to lose their shit when he presents it, 
versus I work at Microsoft and I know some asshole buffoon like Steve Ballmer is going to get up and everyone's going to laugh at him. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference yeah. between those two things. And so even, yeah. even but, if he never had a single effect on the company in terms of direction, he could still he still had a quality that very few people in Silicon yeah. Valley actually do. And I wouldn't want but to I undervalue I, that because yes. I do think well, the man has some talents. I don't – I actually think he has way less than people think, and I'm not sure that that may be true. I, I but just I, like, I think like, he has if some. you see the first iPod ones where they tried doing the thing in the room with the black uh, curtain behind them and the light up, they were awkward and stilted. It was something that like it took a long time for him to get good at, and they definitely got good at it. But I don't know if that was Jobs. Even now, I feel like if you watch um, their presentations. Versus other people's, they're like they're just they're just night and day better. Whoever does that for them is very good. Like whoever is, and I don't think that's the CEO. I think it jobs. The thing that works for that is in the mythology of having the massive inventor who is the god of all design works well in selling stuff too. So it kind yes, of yes, that's this, right. This thing. You, you, like like it is a similar like it's similar. But it's to the, the same, Edison it's the same thing, thing as a where, successful president at yeah. some level. The dude isn't the person who's actually doing most of the stuff, yeah. right? It's like it's about a figurehead and about mm-hmm. whether people are rallying behind that yep. person when you need to get, you know, something done. And so, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's entirely possible that Jobs could have been replaced by anybody, for all I know. I but, don't, I, but, I'm not trying to say that. What I'm saying I, is, I'm just saying for the data that I have, it does seem like he may have had some positive stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't I like don't think, what they did, so I don't yeah. like the fact that he existed because I don't like the things that they have brought to the industry. They have always yeah. made it worse, in my opinion. Yes. But that's separate from saying whether he was effective at what yeah. he did or whether, I think it, his you know, whatever. I think his effective time was not the iPhone, not the iPad, all this stuff that people associate with him. I think it was that the old the nineteen seventy no no it was it was coming into or? Apple after the second time and turning them around yeah he made a lot of good decisions then oh yeah and um, which were not immediately apparent because everyone was like license the OS license this license this okay and he said he did the opposite right right he was like no we're not we're going to close ranks and we're yeah. going to make money on the hardware and because he did that and turned ticked the stock up and turned it around that gave him all the clout to do all these next things so I would say the thing that was hmm. he did he was a good turnaround guy at that point but like the people that work for him at, at at Pixar, the people were from Next is very mixed. They're like, eh, like yeah, yeah. I, I only but know that bad turnaround about time was true, very, good. Yeah. I, I, very good. And I mean, way. hey, there's something if you can get that godlike status, you, like any time yeah. you can get a godlike status, things happen. You get, like, you get a bonus. You get, yes. you get an extra plus bonus, yes. and that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, so we're not going to McGruff the crime we're dog. We're not this, going to crime dog this. that. This is no crime dog. I don't even know how the fuck did we get on that subject. Hey, let's not. If we go down that, then we then all we. Right, all right, this is all what right. happens to us. Focus, let's, people. Yeah, focus, focus. We're God only twenty it. minutes in. We're gonna do this. So uh, this poor fellow who is now possibly listening to this podcast, he got teased by thinking yes. we were gonna start talking about his we're topic. We're still on you, Anders. We're still on you here. Anders writes in and says, "I'd like to hear your thoughts on the software development methodologies." And he uses he quoted that. Quote software, mm-hmm. so he's distancing himself already from this, mm-hmm. called Scrum slash Agile. Right. Here is my ranty motivation for the request and a bit of background. 
I write Scrum Agile because I honestly still cannot tell them apart, even after having been subjected to one or both of them for about a year now in my day job as a programmer. He also quotes that. <laughs> for a w- very well-known Finnish mobile quote-unquote game studio. So I like how, I like how uh, sort of skeptical he yeah. is right off the bat of almost everything in his life. He sounds like our kind of person. Yeah, he sounds like our kind of guy. Yes, we have quote-unquote scrum masters, quote-unquote daily stand-ups, and quote-unquote scrum exercises, the works. The reason I don't know a lot about them is that every time I try to read something about these methodologies, my BS detector goes wild and forces me to do something more productive. I'm my right colleague, there with you. Right my colleagues you, seem to love Scrum Agile, which is not terribly surprising to me, since I think they are mostly incompetent and have given up on trying to improve as engineers in any objective sense. I'd like your opinions not just on Scrum Agile in particular, but about software development methodologies in general. My take on it is that I'd like to try becoming a responsible, well-rounded, and intelligent person who applies a mix of opinions, competence, and engineering experience to traverse a complicated space in order to make a good product. He's ahead of the curve just mm-hmm. by even saying that. Yeah. I don't think I need to explain why this is incompatible with any methodology and why I find them to be a huge turnoff. Yeah. He closes by saying... Now, I assume that the whole Scrum Agile thing has mostly passed you guys by without notice, but maybe you'd be intrigued to find out what's going on in the different part of the software world. How shall I say this? Less ev- worth less evolutionary pressure for competence. I suspect that a lot of <laughs> listeners would be familiar with this topic as well. Note, I'm not looking for advice. This is my first programming job, and it's obvious to me that the correct thing to do is take a step back, course correct, and look for another job in a direction where I can get away from this kind of crap. He is wise beyond his his uh, years. It sounds like um, a fabulous letter. Thank you, yeah, Anders. For I, writing yeah, that. that's a great. That's great. Um, that's like good content, and we didn't have to do anything for the content. That's like the if we can start thing. getting people to write in longer that letters, things, we yeah. could just read it and then and, and then, then call it a day. Have another steak. We could have one of those automated mouth programs. That's like. <laughs> Thank you, Anders Lieno, for writing in with your insightful letter. I would like that just to see what would happen when we talk on top of each other and everything. Like, yes. does it put me on the wrong part? Like, yes. do we just start? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Did you I think about this a lot. Yeah, You do? Okay. Um, and not about methodologies because I think – and I'm not trying to say the stupid thing of like there's no silver bullet. I think – there probably are a lot of bullets that we could do that it make things better. Okay. Um, but I think the biggest problem with people who spend time thinking about software development and how to improve the process don't do any software development. It's pretty clear that they are more trying to manage people or okay. trying to manage and that's fine. Like okay. the psychology of managing people is, a whole is separate interesting thing, in yeah. that. I just don't uh that's not the part that I find interesting, and it's not the part that's going to make software development itself better. Okay. It might make the company that you're working for better, but in the big scheme of things, who cares if one company's better than another? And okay. Like, you write better software. Like, that, that doesn't fucking matter. Okay. But, like, research and science into, like, how to make software better is very interesting to me, and I don't think any of the people think about it like that. Are actually doing that. Yeah, they're thinking there, about there it more some... like empowering people or taking people who aren't great and making them slightly less shitty. Yeah. And that's fine. You That's a big problem in the right, world, right. but that's not – that's like like saying that you study mathematics and then you and then your paper is mostly about trying to get 
um, children to add better. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's not how we get better math. Right, it's right. Like it has to be studying There's people two separate who problems, are really good, how to make really who good make really better. complicated yeah. stuff, and who are doing things way beyond that. And that's unexplored territory because it's not really, it doesn't, it's, it's small win, I think, in terms of the personnel part and, and like the monetary return, which is how people think about this. Like if, if there was some magic way to make everybody at rad twice as effective, but doesn't help average programmers, that's not going to make that big a difference in the world. And we're rad is certainly not going to be able to pay your agile company enough consulting to come <laughs> in to fix that. Right. That's so true. It's not that's that true. kind of thing. The and I'm not trying to say rad is like crazy. It's just rad has very good people that work on their own in isolation. Um, and who are very, very high-end people. But uh, making them better um, and make and, and, and that is something I think a lot about. And I don't think anybody – and I'm, I know I'm not a good enough person to do that. Like um, I know for us there are certain things that I would like to see research in um that, well, that people don't so the first thing i'll say on that uh just as a response is there actually are there are very few but there actually are some researchers who do actually know what they're doing mm -hmm. not surprisingly like the one lecture i think i've ever seen by one of these guys was a lecture that basically said exactly what you just said it was like most of the people who are writing papers in this field oh, do not know what they're doing and have no metric. Like they, yeah. they are, are literally not measuring anything. And why are they able to get away with all these publications? Um, because it's really, it's hard. Cause even in the, even in the isolated case yes. of like, we just want to get some beginners to be a little better. I mean, that's even hard. Like, what does that mean? Like, well, that's what I mean. Less and, and, or yeah. less more code. So there like... are people who are sort, who are, in the academic field who are clued in, they are few and far between, unfortunately, yeah. as you would expect. But at least there are some. I don't know that they're making very much progress because, hey, it's probably a pretty hard problem. Right. But, you know, at least it's, it's not quite as bad as you might think, but it is almost as bad as you yeah. might think. Um, things, things that I think we end up with, um, the thing that I think is the biggest unsolved problem uh, is not a methodology of how to write more software. Um, I think... And, and certainly, like, writing software and being able to write it efficiently and less buggy to begin with is important and good debuggers and good tools, all that. Like, yes. But the thing that I see over and over and over is that there just is no good way to test code in the long run. Like, your mm. tests get old. Your tests... Oh, like, okay. we are constantly fighting... We uh, uh, taking a complicated product like Iggy yeah. has a huge amount of test checks in, yeah. and things still break all the time. And sometimes it's because it's right. this complicated. And some it would be nice for people to start doing research on how do we write? Is it writing software that's testable? Is that the solution, or is it? Is there a way to write tests that they don't? Because you, with tests, you have the horrible thing of like, you have code, you have another piece of code, 
both of which may or may not have bugs. You also have the thing that like calls those. Right. Those yeah. might have bugs. Yeah. We've and we've had all of them. We just right. recently had one where like yeah. something had been failing for a long bugs time. In the validators. And the, the yeah. test worked. The test was failing, but yeah. the thing that was recording failed. And yeah, then yeah, like, yeah, like right. it's like it's, so it's, many it's like a Russian keep. nesting doll yeah. problem. And then that yeah. and then like yeah. how you write code that needs to be testable over a long term when you're modifying the code because everyone can write an awesome test day, when you're day just, one day right one. yeah but that your code changes yeah and then like you're fucked right from i mean and usually what happens and this happens to me this is what i do every time is i have a test and it breaks because i change what that program does or i refactor it and i don't go it's it's just changing that now I don't remember exactly how that test is supposed to work or the data that I, I use to test it is no longer valid. So I have to regat. And so it just doesn't happen. So that seems to, it, I know that sounds <clears throat> stupid, but if, if that problem was solved, that's 10 times better than me writing more code. That would that's increase, rel- yeah, me- that, that would increase software quality quite a bit if you had better, if you had a better ability to do yeah. those tests, which is no- a problem and right I now. Literally, software and quality is a problem. And, and that's something that like, as the difference, like, like the difference from a researcher from me as a practitioner of the thing yeah. is like, I imagine a researcher being able to look at the problem um, from an angle that I don't, can never imagine as a person actually doing it. Yeah. But a lot of what I see in research is just very – is stuff that um, is either just stuff that you do in pra- – like like uh, uh, what is it called? The, uh, practicalities or, or just practices that you follow that seem yeah. to be slightly more successful. Or they don't seem to be any more enlightened or more looking at things at a higher order than I do as someone who's – into the in the in the middle of it which is depressing to me because and not i'm not saying they're dumb it just means that maybe this isn't a solvable problem i don't know but that is the thing that that if i if, if i could push one magic button it would not be a better language would not be a better debugger even though that's what we're working on yeah. it would be like here's the way code here's the way you test code and that and that can run for that that you know for us the speed in which something's originally written is not that important at rad. Like we have guys that are crazy fast, but for the most part, we write something that is used for a decade or two decades. I have code that's still from Smacker in 1983. Yeah. I mean, 1993. So I have stuff that old. So it's, so anything, anything, any way to solve the testing problem that allows for code to age is, a big deal and there's nothing that we have that our tests run for a while and they go away and Sean's better about that but it's uh it's only because he's so disciplined and since it is a critical thing it seems like it has to be something beyond being disciplined but I don't know so that's my personal if thing. I may summarize so yeah. literally your answer to the scrum agile question is literally like you think the only thing that makes a difference is if someone could develop a testing improvement and the rest of the stuff is noise. The rest of the stuff That's is what you like, tell him. well, f- let's imagine like in a case where it takes uh, us usually a year or two years to develop a product and then we sell it for 20 years. Yeah. If you can cut the one, the two years to one year, that's nice. <laughs> if you can make the other 18 a lot 
more robust. That's I see. so much more valuable to us as a company okay. and so much more valuable, I think, in terms of how those libraries go out. Okay. Um, and, I mean, you had some of this when you did all that uh, really complicated bank stuff is that there was so much to yeah, test. Yeah. And that did work really well. Yeah, yeah, but, um, but it was because it was a black box it's, yeah, it's, kind of it's thing. It's pretty simple. That that was a simple problem to test. And then uh, you have things that are like input-related and, and or, or yeah. even timing-related, just stupid yeah. shit, and it blows up so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bink is a nice product in that sense yeah. because it's so testable right. compared to... Like Granny or uh, yeah, Iggy, which exactly. have, have much, are big and huge um, and have even miles might be kind of mm -hmm. hard to test at yeah. some level, but maybe it, that would be the next easiest, probably. Yeah, so I don't know. So, it, it, in general, when people talk about being a better programmer, I think if you program, you become better. It's so, you know, one of these things you do, you start learning things, and you, if you're an aware person, like yeah. a lot of times people just go through the motions. Um, but if you're an aware person, you'll get better, and Anders sounds super. Thoughtful. He's aware he, of it. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. those are things you just naturally get better at. Um, but I've been doing this a long time, and I have no idea. I have no idea how I would even approach the test problem. <laughs> I don't know if it's tools. I don't know if it's editors. I have language. I have no idea what, what works. Um, and that's kind of a crazy thing in the sense that um, – I feel like I'm very experienced at what I do, and I don't even have a glimmer. Like, I guess I'll put it this way. When I see a complicated piece of code doing something amazing on the screen, as, a, as someone who's written code for a long time, I can usually take it apart and go, oh, okay, I can see how they did that. It might take me a long time to write that code if I'm not familiar with it, but yeah. I know... I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see how that's possible. Occasionally right. there's a piece of software where I'm like, that seems magic. And okay. it, sometimes it's because there's tricks that I do. Like, okay. like Scribble Knots is the great example of okay. one where you're like, that's, I don't feel like that's a product that should exist. Okay. Because you're just like, there's no way. And then you're like, no, I guess if you just do enough words, you Yeah, there's get only everything. a thousand words that anyone knows. But it doesn't okay. sound like one of But in any case, most things you can imagine. Testing, I have literally no idea. I, we, we write the little tests that we have, and they, I, I don't have a test that after a few years is uh, ineffective or is testing something that's not that important. Like I spent all this time writing it, and that turns out to be, you know, it's like an assert that right. asserts true. Okay. Right? It's just okay. Like so I don't know. Um, but that's what I want. Um, okay. The rest of that, uh, all that stuff, I'm sure on a big company – there are techniques that are important like that, but yeah. I think I agree with him that most of the time it feels like it's covering up for, it's giving bad people something to do with the 20% of the time that otherwise they'd get in and break something. Like <laughs> making, making, making those kind of programmers slightly less effective yeah. isn't that win. So, uh, okay, uh, I can see that. But I don't know, I don't know. What is it when you so, program, do you have things that are So I was going to say, like, I have a very different perspective on it than mm -hmm. you do, I think. Based on what you said. Now, I would say, obviously, for a frame of reference, since most people don't know you and I, uh, we tend to work on very different sorts mm -hmm. of things. So I, I think my perspective is, is definitely going to be sort of skewed in a different direction because of that. So mm -hmm. you tend to work on small problems with an incredible amount of engineering to make them optimal mm -hmm. is the way I would typically do it. Okay. Right. So it's like 
Yes, I've worked on playing back video for 30 years, <laughs> right? And we never really wanted the video to do anything other than playback video. As fast as it but can. it keeps getting more ridiculous on more platforms mm-hmm. and higher speeds with better compression, blah, 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 blah. You know, with less and less yeah. resources on the fucking 3DS, goddammit, mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And I never work on stuff like that. Like, I almost never do that thing. Yeah. I've helped you with it once, mm-hmm. but I've never done it myself. Uh, and I don't think it's something that I ever would do myself. Like, I, I am not the guy who's going to come up with the fastest X that there is. <laughs> I just don't, uh, I don't really enjoy it. Like, once something is solved within 20%, I'm happy with that. And you're the person who looks at the 20% and goes, we got 20% to get here, and, like, goes in there, right? So I think... Uh, I tend to look at things a lot more from a how can I do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to get a lot accomplished, and that lot is not necessarily going to be at the 100% yeah. optimal. It's going okay. to be lower, and I accept that. So it's, it's going to be less efficient. It's going to be, you know, not, not, I don't go all the way down to like where web programmers are, right. where they're like, it's 100 times slower than it should be, but it's fine. It's Ruby running on top of Apache <laughs> running on top of an emulated Java VM that then runs on another instance of Apache <laughs> that instantiated that, which runs through PHP, through our virtualization layer, all of which is running on a hypervisor inside a virtual machine on Amazon EC2. And I'm like, <laughs> this is why my Gmail takes seven years to load. <laughs> Because you fuckers couldn't just write the goddamn code in C and compile it. <laughs> so I definitely, I, I, I have standards. There's a line I'm sure. not willing to go. Like, I want native code. I want mm-hmm. it to be written reasonably. But I definitely am someone who likes to write new things that do more than they could do before right. rather than focusing on something with a more laser-like precision and wringing it out, like going, okay, we can get better, we can get better, we mm-hmm. know we can get better. And 80-20 is a bad thing. Right. It's probably more like 50. I mean, you guys, you guys, I, I would probably, well, if, if I did Bink, I'd probably be at 25% of where you are. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be, even, I wouldn't be at 80. I so, wouldn't even uh, that's say, a misnomer. Sometimes but you know it's what I not mean. even iterating on performance. It's iterating on just like robustness under fire like stupid right yeah, yeah you do like it's the defuzzing stuff yeah, all that yeah. stuff so so what 80 20 makes it sound like i'm doing a lot more so le- probably less than that but you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh there's the good enough and then there's the excellent and i'm not going for the excellent usually because i'd rather do two good enoughs than one excellent or whatever mm-hmm. that you know trade-off works out to be uh so when looking at that as uh, a thing, I tend to focus probably on things that are a little closer to what a company would focus on. You know, Mm -hmm. like I I think my needs are more aligned with a company probably than yours are. I think very few companies are developing the software that you're talking about developing. They're probably developing more like the software that I'm developing. That said, I probably still don't have a, a similar opinion to them. But the way I look at it is no matter how many programmers you have, in general, you can look at them as sort of having two, I want to say, watermarks or two, two levels that you want to look at. There is what the programmer is capable of understanding to do mm-hmm. and then what the programmer does. And these things are very far apart everywhere okay. I've ever been, sure. period. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning... A programmer may very well understand the correct way to write something. They may know that, like, the most optimal thing here would be to use a heap that writes directly to a memory stream, the things in order from, you know, as they come in sorted, 
on three threads with this locking mechanism. Like maybe the programmer is that good to just know all of this stuff, right? Then there's what the programmer actually writes because that thing may take six months because right. it's so fucking complicated to create or whatever and they don't sure. have the code. Mm -hmm. But they have the code lying around for a couple other things they could reuse, and it's very simple for them to write it in this other way, and that's good enough, so that's the thing that they write, right? I tend to look at programming methodologies, styles, code base structure, all of that stuff, and languages as what that bar differential looks like. If I can take a language, if I can have a programmer programming language A, mm -hmm. and then I moved into the programming language B, and that distance shrinks, okay, that is a better language. Okay. So one of the big reasons that I think C++, for example, is not a better language than C, is because I have yet to see any evidence that that bar shrinks. I see a lot of people saying that they're getting something from it. I see a lot of people typing a lot of code, but the actual output does not seem to be any better than the output they were having with C. If anything, it seems to be worse. It looks like the bar is separating, right? Okay. Because the thing I know these programmers are capable of understanding what to do, they end up spending a lot of their time with all of the C++ stuff that doesn't actually end up making the thing that they ended up implementing any closer right. to, the, to the thing that they knew was good enough. So right. I'm not even looking I would, at it. I would, my, my exact example there is the reason why I like C better than C++ is when there, there's already a big problem of trying to write something that's complicated in a language as simple as C. Yes. When you have C++, you end up spending a lot of time thinking about C++ right. and not the problem. Yes. Which hasn't done anything except distract you. Like, yes. it, so, so that's what, that's a big part of well, what Well, okay, so let me, let me keep so going yes. on my example. Yeah. Or it was not an example of my framework, I should say. So, uh, you have to start looking at what are the contributing factors to that delta, right? Mm -hmm. And a number of them are non-obvious and are not often discussed overtly, uh, which is unfortunate. Sometimes they are, but it's, it's actually somewhat rare when people talk about programming or, hey, there's this thing I did and you should hear about it, whatever, mm -hmm. blah, blah. They often don't mention these. Some of them are how often the programmer is actually typing code into their machine. Mm -hmm. Now, this is an incredibly complex factor that involves stuff like whether they were enjoying the act of programming, mm -hmm. um, whether the programming takes too long, the editor sucks, the debugger sucks, right. the platform is crashing, it takes too long to compile the code, right. you know, I gotta sit around waiting. For there are all of these factors that go into whether the programmer is just fucking mm -hmm. typing stuff in or whether they're checking Facebook or getting up out of their desk and going to talk yeah. to somebody else about something when they didn't really need to do that. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that go into that that are underappreciated. And you see this a lot when people say that they don't think like compile time is that big a deal or even you know a two minute, five minute, 30 minute compile times are okay. They are discounting the degree to which lots of factors affect whether your programmer is actually working during the day, right. how much of their time they're actually working. Mm -hmm. Because talking to another programmer is fun. It's more fun than coding when the coding is rough. Right. And the program can be rough for reasons that have nothing to do with whether the actual code you're writing is hard. Right. It can be all these other things that you've put in place that thwart mm -hmm. you, right? Yep. Your source code control sucking. There's so many things. Right. Yep. So those things 
I think, scared like you might like just yeah you don't know what's going on yeah whatever. or you yeah, can't it, change something is right yeah, or people are arguing all the time about mm-hmm. shit or there's stupid code convention rules you gotta follow yep. those I would say almost the first thing to focus on rather than scrum agile any of that stuff that's like way down the line is just what is the actual cycle of programming like at your company mm-hmm. and what can you do to improve that and a lot of times most companies have loads of work they could do to improve just that thing before you even started talking about how I was assigning tasks to people or what their methodology was. Like Methodology is way above that unless you include in methodology how long the fucking compile takes. Now, granted, some like things like agile programming, thankfully, do emphasize, turn around those sorts of things, and I think that's good. But it's worth talking about that as a separate thing, which is like it's not just about because turnaround takes time. It's also the demotivator of that that's important. Like the, the right. how much momentum you have in your coding, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all those things. Once you get above those things, so once you're at a point where the person is happy with their editor, they're happy with their source code control, happy enough, they're happy with their debugging, they're happy with their deployment scheme, and they're happy with their running. So the whole cycle of programming is clean and efficient, right? Which is actually... Very hard because mm-hmm. almost no tools vendors focus on this. Yep. Microsoft Visual Studio is so far from satisfying any of those needs, for example, right. um, that it's, it's really kind of ridiculous. But, you know, in the old days, you could imagine Turbo Pascal or something hitting this high point. There's like this editor you can type in. It works really well. You hit run and it's blazingly fast. The debugger's right there. It steps instantly. All those things we've lost. You know, mm-hmm. stepping now takes a fucking minute in Visual Studio, right? And, oh, my God, today I even... I was, remar- I, was, I was thinking to myself how ridiculous it is that now when you step, variables don't update. They take a while. Yeah. So if you step five times, you're seeing old-ass data in your yeah. watch. I'm like, it's so bad. It's worse than 1986, yeah. people. Like, how is this possible? But anyway. Well, the demotivation is getting worse, period. Oh, it's like, just getting have, worse and worse and especially worse. Especially are getting and, worse. Well, and, it's, and just the way people think that this is how it should work, mm. like – Deploying something to another device is this oh, rigmarole God, of yes. signing. And like Android SDK, shoot me in the head. And, 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 and like, yeah. Uh, uh, or uh, yeah, iPhone uh, signatures and all this all shit. All this shit is like, you all. is so distant and like, yes. and the worst thing in particular for me in this, in this very specific example is that at any one time when I go to work on something, I will have forgotten what it takes to like today yes. getting something yes. running on right. the Wii U yep. was two hours of me goddamn swearing yes. at goddamn Sigwin. Right. And it's like, that's not fun. It took me four hours to do something that was literally 10 minutes once I was able yes. to print F. Absolutely. I didn't even need the debugger. I couldn't get, I couldn't get the debugger. Oh, that don't, was ridiculous. Yeah, no, you're not, you're not this was like, you. as don't long as I could just fucking print about? F yeah. and I'm like, Okay, this was your bug. You misunderstood. That's yes. all it took. It was four hours to find yes. out it wasn't even us. Yes. And so that's just a bummer day. I was just yeah. It yes, sucks. Absolutely. Yeah. And that and that is exact. And not only that, but the programmer knows this, and they will be reluctant to start work that yeah. day. They will do whatever it takes to not start debugging the Wii U problem. Yeah. They'll fucking go get coffee. They'll go to lunch. They'll yep. talk with their friends. They'll do Eat whatever. A whole that's what I Facebook, do. Twitter, doesn't matter what. Uh-huh. If you know that what your next two hours is going to be is completely unproductive, fucking around with the Wii U development kit, then. That's what's going to happen. And so I think that stuff is tremendously important. And if there's anything the industry could be doing right now to fix that at a systemic level, that uh, would be the one to focus on. Because it's 
actually not that hard to solve. You yep. just have to care. Yep. People have to realize this yep. priority and start demanding it and stop fucking buying a new vision. Like, just yeah. be like, we're not buying any more Visual Studio ever. We're yeah. not buying this product until you fucking fix this, yep. right? Like, that alone would go a huge, a huge uh, way towards it. But, okay, so after you get past that point, now we get into some other things. So now uh, there's the, the degree to which the language allows you to uh, type in what you know to be the correct thing mm -hmm. to do. Okay. Right now, we are way far from that. Yeah. That is a really big problem. So C is good at uh, one level of that problem, which is that if I have something that I want the microprocessor to do that involves non-parallel, non-wide instructions. Right. C actually solves that problem pretty well. Right. It was good at that. Mm -hmm. So if you are sitting down to type something that a microprocessor with single wide execution units and no threading mm -hmm. needs to be able to do, C was a very good mm -hmm. language for that. Yep. It is unlikely that a programmer who knows what they're doing, who has that problem to solve, will have a problem typing that in, right? However, two problems. One, once you extend it to the modern day, no one has made a language that allows you to actually have that ease of use. So the, uh, the threaded, mm -hmm. highly threaded, and wide, right. C doesn't do very well. Wide, I think, right if, you, if you lock down a platform, it's not terrible at, because you just get used to the intrinsics that are there, and you're fine. But the problem is I, it's, I it, it doesn't abstract well across them. But that's... But. I, don't, I don't really agree with that. And the reason that I don't agree with that is because if you... And it's mostly because I, maybe I'm setting a higher bar for what I would want this language to be. But basically, when I look at what C did over assembly, mm -hmm. it picked some very important things that are the time-consuming things and it eliminated them. Register allocation being the number one, mm -hmm. right? And when I look at the extension from single to wide and I go, is it doing that same amount with, say, the intrinsics? The answer is no. Because there's a lot of swizzling and stuff like this that actually could be automatically solved oh, yeah, in yeah, pretty yeah. good right. ways. And again, it's never perfect. Just like yeah. register allocation isn't as good as a human. That's yeah, true. Uh, who really focus on I agree with right? That, yeah. So something more like IPC, right? Or mm -hmm. we've done some things that show that we could start building languages that actually did what we yeah. want here. The, the, the technology exists, but yeah. we haven't mainlined it, right? right. So, so there's that. The second thing is uh, code that takes a long time to type and debug is currently, even in C, not able to be reused properly. And C++ also failed to allow that code to be reused properly. Templates and classes are very bad layers of abstraction for code. Um, I feel like they were clearly written by people who actually don't think about how code is reused very well and probably haven't done much code. In the case of both classes and templates, that was true. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't like the people's mentalities who made those things originally. Well I think they're very um, good I think they're fairly different. I think the classes I think classes were just a silly thing in sense you made an entire language construct thing for something that just doesn't happen enough to dedicate a lot of mental energy for. And once you have a big system like that, then they started relying on it for other things. Well, there, but th that's a separate like. Yeah, I feel like you could ignore that part of C plus plus and be fine. Templates, I 
could not agree with you more that those people were looking at things because they were trying you're, you're right they're way. trying to solve a problem that we actually do want solved but they did it in the worst way possible yeah they, they, they okay, did yeah. not get what we were what we wanted i i i actually see them both as the same okay. so i see them both as attempts to break down combinatorial problems right so in the template case i'm trying to say that i have a particular algorithm i have a particular set of piece of code set of instructions mm -hmm. that i want to be able to map to a number of different things which may have variations in them, right? And the classes thing was trying to solve the problem of, I have uh, a number of different sort of logical entities that I would like to be able to treat the same way at different times depending on the circumstance, right? Okay. And they're both valid things to be trying to solve, they're both valid approaches to the combinatorial problem. They're valid ways of sort of thinking about the combinatorial problem. Neither implementation actually has the elements that you need to successfully make those combinatorial things work, right? right. So, well, I think, yeah, well, I think especially they don't allow you to not think about them in the way that you'd want that problem to be solved. Well, they also just don't work. Yeah. Most people think that these things work, but they don't work. You, if you actually try to go, here is a solid concept that we understand, like I said, with heap, mm -hmm. and you try to implement it with either of those things, it actually fails. And it fails in ways that I don't think people understand. Um, so, but putting that aside for, mm -hmm. for a second. So... I feel like there's a big gap that's just language-based right now, which is that programmers aren't typing in the thing that they know that's right because it simply will take too long to do, and they have never been able, they've never been given a tool set that would adequately allow them to write those things once and use them as tools later in a way that didn't incur substantial interconnect overhead. And that's what you see with C++ a lot. So people try to bridge this gap with C++. They embrace the promise of C++ and go, we put all this shit in templates or classes, and now we'll be able to do all this great stuff. But then what actually comes out the other end is something that has a massive interconnect overhead in one of three places and oftentimes all. And those are places, those are things like, number one, the fact that the code becomes entirely unreadable mm -hmm. or debuggable, mm -hmm. right? Um, this is a huge problem, especially with templates. Right, mm -hmm. but it it's equally the same. Even even with classes, there's stuff that people don't appreciate there, which is that the ability for someone to read class-based code is right. incredibly uh, difficult. Actually, yep. right now, someone who's unfamiliar with it getting up to speed, it's a big difference from C when you just read the code and mm -hmm. it was very clear what was going on. Right, yep. and there has no been no real good solutions to this problem, and um, you know yet. But templates, obviously, the more obvious one, mm -hmm. where even in a simple situation just the act of trying to go through what the fuck is going yeah. on quickly gets out of hand when you try to actually do a real, something real with them, right? right? Well, okay. and also the concept of like, once you have templates, a very good set of template library, then you can plug these things together and not have to understand how those algorithms work. Right. The problem is, is whenever you take to these two things and try to combine them, the only way that you make that interconnect really work is you writing template code oh, that yeah. fits in, oh, inside yeah. no, there? It's, yes. Which means you haven't you like yes they don't have to write an AVL tree or something, 
But now they have to understand the very complex and interrelated way that the ABL tree might call your other class. Yeah, that yeah. is your thing. Like it's it's you've made them have to understand the algorithm without yeah. having to have written it, especially like, right, which is so yeah. nuts. Like, yeah. but number two is internet cost. That's just speed. A lot of times. The like template or class based. Yeah. I take the speed is way if slow. it was if, it, if there was a magic way, but continue. Well, but no, uh, it, it has nothing to do with taking hits. I'm talking very specifically about that gap I'm measuring, and okay. speed is a big part of that gap because if your programmer kn knows how to do this thing fast and he's not doing it fast, that's a big part of that gap that I'm talking about. Because there's a difference between optimizing code where it's like what I'm talking about here, where it's like you know I'm making bink. And you know, I sat down to write it, and I, like I said, I only did 25% of what you guys could do because I didn't want to spend five years, or I just don't even have the skills necessary to crank it to that level. That is not the gap I'm talking about because I'm fine with that. That's like, I'm fine with taking that speed hit because it's like the only way to do that would be a lot more work or a lot more learning on my part, right? And that's fine. I'm talking about the speed hit of, let's say I know how to make the optimal bink. I know how to make something four times faster than what I'm typing in, but I just don't because the language makes it take way too long for mm -hmm. me to do that. It has nothing to do with me working. I'm not figuring anything out. It's just the actual act of sure. fucking typing it in and debugging it takes too long. Or right. it is too it's just not a good use of time. And so that is an important gap on the template side of things because a lot of times what it ends up generating is not the optimal code. It's not the smart code. But you take it because actually trying to get the templates to do the smart code is way more work. It's way harder to debug. It's way messier, whatever, right? And that's a bad part of the gap, right? Um, and the third thing is that oftentimes it just doesn't work. So you create something that is reusable to a point but it's really not that reusable in the end. It turns out that there's just a lot of constraints on how it gets implemented in the end. So it's like, oh yeah, okay, now we wanted that to work with double. Oh, well, all right, so add another template parameter that's the type, and like, yeah. oh wait, now we wanted it to sort of work with complexes, but it has to work with complexes in this other way, so you have to put these in, and you end up actually having to rewrite the thing every time almost anyway, so you don't actually get this win, even if you knew how to rewrite it, how to write it correctly the first way, the templates oftentimes make it more costly to yeah. write something in the fully general way, even though conceptually it was no harder to conceive of it in the general way, and that's a big part of the gap as well. You see that a lot with more complicated pieces of code, like storage style stuff, or things that want to execute stuff out of order and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the language just does such a poor job of encapsulating those things. And so I think that's a really big part of that gap as well. Finally, when you get to the top of the gap, that's when I start to see things like Agile or Scrum-based stuff having any relevance, which is why I kind of don't really think about them so much. You think, like, so that like, might, they may actually be valuable, but we're so far from them being necessary. We got so much I think, of the gap. So where those things, so uh, there's, there's two places that that, that that can have an effect, that something like Scrum or Agile can have an effect. One of them I think could be valuable, the other I think is not. So the one that I think is valuable is if simply having the Scrum, if having that system in place makes a more programmer more likely to fucking do work during the day, mm -hmm. then that is valuable. So if your programmers don't do any work when they don't have the little chalk, the little uh, cork board with the things on it or whatever the fuck, right? If they're not focused and they're not doing work, then I do see those systems as potentially being valuable as a motivational tool, right? Mm -hmm. It's like... 
It's not so much about the methodology. It's just, it's just having a system. Giving a game of If, if having a system maneuver. makes them do more yeah. work, then that was valuable, sure. regardless of all the other stuff. Because, like I said, the first thing I listed was whether the program's doing work. That attacks that bottom thing, which is valuable at all times. Right. So I don't dismiss those methodologies out of hand because I think they can have an effect on that. Whether the actual yeah. methodology makes any sense as a methodology for producing work. If it just happens to motivate people more than not having it, then that was good, right? Mm -hmm. The place that I don't think they really have that much of an effect necessarily is in actually taking care of the higher end parts of the problem that we actually do have if you took care of all the rest of this, which is why I say I don't think it's that relevant because even if it was effective, we're so far from that being a higher order effect. That and that is like solving the N-way communication problem, uh, or preventing, you know, keeping people from being locking up on each other and right. having dependency and that sort of stuff. Those sorts of things, while they are important to resolve, are so far down the food chain from what it like. Right. At, we have they're, such they're, we have so many more fundamental problems than that that it's hard for me right. to get excited about even thinking about is Scrum a good way to handle that? It's like if that's your fucking problem, you're in great shape because. I got problems that are way worse than that in terms of just the things we could right. attack here. Well, it's also you know that's I mean? the kind of thing that you notice in the sense that like, hey, when somebody blocks on somebody else, you think, oh, my God, we can never have that happen again. We can never hire the smart guy that everybody yeah. relies on because that screwed us. Okay, yeah. Those are the very visible things, whereas the thing where everybody is just 10% less effective they're not. Overall, but they're not 10%. They're like – well, let's say it's 10%. They're like 90% yeah, over, over a two-year yeah. project, that's still way more right, than right. the blocking time. It's just not visible. It's but that I, tiny little yeah. bit of stuff. But I guess so. The, the one thing – just the thing that I'm trying to hammer home, I guess, though, is just that gap is the thing. Yeah. The, because we can talk about stuff that moves the top bar up, meaning making your programmers better themselves. This programmer now knows how to do better shit, right? right? That, I think, helps you not at all anymore. Because most programmers are actually not even operating to what they know how to do because right. of all of these impediments right. that really where our primary focus should be is just taking any given programmer who you pluck and going, why isn't this person right. writing code that I know they could write? No matter how dumb yeah. they are, I guarantee you the code they're writing is worse. Right. That's true for me. It's probably true for shitty programmers everywhere. Yeah. In between. Well, no, I notice that all the time. You know? It's like even me when you're like uh, – even when I look at myself, when you're like I really like to solve problems yes. in, with programming. Yeah. So why am I not – why don't I want to do this? Right, like, right. You find right. that all the time. Yes. And why, it's always, I, why am I not looking and, forward and, to this? And it's yeah. always for me. Yes. It's always because the things that I used to put up with as a younger programmer because – Part of putting up with them was the macho-ness of like, yeah, not only did I write this code, but the goddamn C compiler was so fucked up that it was amazing I could get it compiled at all. Yeah. I just don't have any tolerance. Like, yeah. I, I, I hit that exhaustion. For example, I've never, ever gotten the iPhone build. I just build the iPhone build. I'm like never, <laughs> never, never, never ran it on my system. I see. I've always run it. I always ask Dan or somebody to run it just because the I just, rage. You don't want to fuel the rage. Yeah, and I know if I feel that rage, not only will I not do what I'm supposed to do, 
that'll kill me for days. Yes. Where I'm just like, fucking goddamn it, what's happened yeah. in this world? And we have, I mean, Fabian went through that period where he just yeah, like, that's right. In he the was face, enraged where he's about like, the... I just don't want to program anymore. Yeah, and was just it's like very one thing after another after yeah. another after another. Yes, and um, and part of it is part of it is that. You know the the turnaround time and the the cycle of which you can edit and play in with, but there's also just something where it feels uh, it feels like a f- everything is trying to prevent you from like it's an active. It doesn't feel like this is something that's slowing you down. It's like. Things, there are systems that are actively preventing you from yeah. doing oh, stuff. Yeah. Well, and, it's and, like, and it's I a don't lot think like, they think about that, but it's like you feel like you're under attack. Well, like, you, you know what I think of it as? I think of it a lot like um, when I work on platforms, any of them nowadays, really. I think of it a lot like, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction, how they let call in the wolf, right? Right. I feel like, and I feel like Pulp Fiction kind of glamorizes what that job would be like. But I feel exactly like that a lot of yeah. times when I have to do iPhone. Programs. It's like, it's like, okay, I gotta ship this app on iPhone, and I show up, and I'm basically the guy who shows up with a dead body in the trunk. Everyone's covered in blood, right? right? And the wife is gonna be home in 30 minutes or whatever. And it's like, that's what I feel. It's like. I got here and it was like all these incompetent people shat all over this thing <laughs> and now that's the platform I have to work with. It's like it's like this really hateful thing. And so I feel like, you know, the first couple of times you do that, maybe you feel like the wolf, you feel like a badass. Like, oh yeah, I went in yeah. there and did this super awesome no, thing. Yeah, but right? Yeah. The fiftieth time he goes to a house with a fucking dead body and everyone's covered <laughs> in blood, he's gotta be like why don't you assholes fucking put some you know plastic wrap down before you fucking shoot a guy in the head? It's like how stupid do yeah. you have to be? Why are you people incompetent? And that then is he, definitely and he true. doesn't want to come anymore, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to come <laughs> clean up your bloody to mess. clean up the bloody mess anymore. And I feel like that's what yeah. that's that's one thing, and that happens to. Um, I think a lot of people who have to do the cross-platform shit because instead of just cleaning up one set of dead bodies every two years or whatever, mm-hmm. they're cleaning them up every three months. Yep. It's like, oh, new platform, yep. new DS build. Well, usually new, what oh, happens What did is- Nintendo shit all over me yeah. this week? Yeah. It's like, right? And, and each I one's wanna, updating every and month. I, and, and, Xbox and, and, just and I'm pooped saying, down a new XDK. I'm, and I'm and using Nintendo and Apple as example, but... Everything's like Oh, it's everybody. Yeah, It's, no, it's like everybody. Li- the, they, oh, it's everybody. The number of platforms... Yeah. And even platforms that are fairly simple to develop for, like Windows, they're really pushing hard. They when keep crapping it up. Like, they crap it up here's more, an a- and more Here's and more. This, this API. It just doesn't work anymore until yep. you make a manifest. I'm like, yep. I don't Why? have a manifest. I never had right. a manifest. Now there's this new thing in my build. Yes. I don't want to do this. Yes. Like, this used to work. Yes. And, and, it's, and, and you feel it's a very right. – uh, uh, it has much more of an effect – on anything, even the language for me, my productivity is yep. solely based yes. on how much right. I feel like I'm waiting in shit today and how much yeah. I'm just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to write some stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, that's... Most people don't see how bad it is because they don't, they aren't in your position. Like, I mean, you, you actually ship for basically everything. I mean, most things that are out there besides server blades, you right. pretty much ship for. Well, and and also, what that means is that you actually are one of the few people in the industry who actually realizes that 
this is a systemic problem. Every single place yeah. you can ship software now has been crapped up right. beyond belief. Well, and the important thing... Most people only see like one or two yeah, platforms. Well, I was going to say, the, mo the important thing there is like, if you develop for iOS, you get used to the horseshit. And you forget about it. And you forget about exactly. it. It's like it goes away. Yeah. But like, none of that... If all that horseshit was the same... Yeah. No problem. But it's different everywhere. No, everybody yeah, does different. it slightly differently, yeah. and some sign, and some don't have yeah. to sign, and some you have yeah. to like emulate the disk. And well, like, and it's what like, this it's is worse. all bad. It's even language based now. This was the thing. It used to be bad. I mean, it used to be pretty bad. But then uh, with Apple and Android, they brought up a whole new wave of shit, which is that now we even have separate languages you have to write that part of the code in. Like, yeah, right. you can't even compile C to it anymore. You have to have a Java binding layer or an Objective-C fucking layer. Right. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, right. come on, And if that's people. the only thing you do, then you say, well, it's just one file, and I just copied Fuck it out of the Fuck you. Example. But, like, I have Fuck 14 you. of those files, yes. and they break yes. every goddamn time. And then you're right. like, I have to re-remember this. And it, it, yeah. is, it is the thing that for me has way more an effect than anything else is like the psychology of feeling like the platforms that you use are uh, hostile yes. to you. That they, 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 that, that they don't want your stuff to run. They would actually rather, they want it to be this attrition to get there. Feels like you just get to the point where you're like, fuck this shit. This isn't. Yeah. This just sucks. Yes, it does. And then it's not programming anymore. It's it's uh, it's not even plumbing. It's like supply chain management yeah. to get the plunger, <laughs> right? And it's like nuts. And then the plunger's yes. not the right shape for the toilets patented. So you're like, this this plunger is for a different toilet. And so it feels it it it, it uh, the closest thing is just feeling like. It's a hostile work environment. Like you have an asshole that lives in your office yeah. and you yeah. just have a guy who's just mean. Yeah. And you know how that would feel? Yeah. That's like imagine all of your pro all of your platforms are mad at you. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And it's it's a very depressing thing sometimes. Well, so, so I can see and and I feel like Windows is going that way. Windows Windows well, Windows, Windows 8 is that way, if you way, do RT you're, it, you're done. Yeah, RT is like the, one of the worst yes. uh, to use of all of them. And you're like they 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 have one that isn't like that, that is nice. And like, yes, it's a million things wrong with Visual Studio, but like, I don't know how the people who actually work there don't see that horribleness. So. It's, it's surprising to me too, because, you know, uh, when Win32 was like the most recent platform API, you know, in 1995 mm -hmm. or four, because uh, I guess Win32S probably came mm -hmm. out in what? 93, 94? Well, S came out technically after Win32 did because it was like the back patch to get S. But it was out earlier, I thought, because Win32 was only for I, 95. Win32 only came out in 95 and NT, right? Well, NT. Oh, but NT was earlier, yeah, right? Yeah, NT yeah. was like 92. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. never mind, never yeah. mind. It so it was pretty early. So back then, you know, it's a pretty bad API. I mean, mm -hmm. Win32 is pretty no. shitty. It's a bad API. Yeah. When I look at it now, I'm like, this API is much, much better than anything yeah. I see today. Yeah. And to, to sit here and think about how perverse a world of computing we are <laughs> living in when 20 years of technological progress has brought us a significantly shittier <laughs> standard 
for platforms than what we had back then. That is terrifying. Well, even if you I take, mean, what's it, it going to be like in another twenty? I think no one's going to be able to write anything. I think even if you take out like, hey, the quality of the API, the simplicity or whatever, the complexity of what is in a modern yeah. API now, even setting that aside, yeah, I can get the documentation in Win any Win32 function, yeah, on MSDN, yeah. Just trying to do that for Win8, half the APIs aren't there. They haven't even documented a lot of DX11. It's been out for like four Seriously? years. Seriously? No, it's just the I don't new ever thing. Use DX, People so. are like, oh, it's just happening so fast. The, the examples are the code. Like, I did some fucking PHP to hook to a Google Drive. They're, the download, the, the, the SDK that you download is, is brand new, so none of the examples work. They didn't release the examples <laughs> until after. Awesome. And then the standard thing of the web of like a hundred monkeys all trying to paste it together <laughs> means that you just have example code that's a mixture of both out there. And and it's wow. like this is shipping in products. This is like this isn't just <laughs> I'm using it for some stupid bullshit. But like people depend right, on are making this, this ga games that have to run it. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. It's in just very I I I uh. uh yeah, I, I, I uh, so yeah. Let me talk about a clip. But, but I'm assuming when I say that testing is the most important thing for me, that is starting from the aspect of of, of, of an imagination where, where I'm, in, I'm in the window where none of my platforms have broken. expired, okay. or broken, yeah. or have stopped syncing, or the firmware's too yeah. old. Yeah. Like in this magic window, when all my platforms I'm able to run, yes. Testing is a huge problem. Okay. <laughs> but I will say... That's actually number that's, one. That's, yeah, I, I mean, agree. there's an, a second thing, which is that... And, and all I can... I only... My only thought there is it has to be temporary because I can't imagine... It can't go on forever. It think? can't get any worse. So it has to... Stump, they have to eventually improve. But I might have said like that... Eventually... I, may, I might not have been able... Like when... Like I said, back in 92 or whenever... I, so the first time I programmed Win32 was, was in 92, 93. One of those... Okay. One of the... Uh, sometime around there. Because that's mm -hmm. when I interned at Microsoft. So that's mm -hmm. the first time I ever saw Win32. Before that, I, I uh, uh, was on Linux C... Like Slackware Linux, okay. I think, or something. One of those Linuxes. I don't know if it was Slackware or something else. Um, and uh, I was on Amiga before that, which I loved. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite platform by far. <laughs> uh, but back then, with Win32, I, you know, I thought it was bad, but I don't know that I had in my head. I, I don't think I could have predicted these things. Like, right now... I look and I would agree with you like it couldn't get any worse but I bet it can and you just you just haven't seen your poor little brain who is only thinking about reasonable code can't possibly conjure up the abominations that <laughs> Microsoft, Apple and Google will come up with when they have even people who are even less qualified to make APIs than they do now, because every generation is getting worse <laughs> at making them, right? Every generation of people is further away from someone who ever programmed a microprocessor directly and is less and less, has less and less of a grasp on what the code is actually doing at all and has more and thinking, more C++ crap and other things, think, Java, like, What does THB. the programmer at Microsoft when he hits F5 and there's this whole rigmarole to get the thing running under Win8, to run the thing under the store app, it's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. 
Um, is it just that he has IT there when the wireless doesn't connect because it doesn't? Is it is it that he has a support system so he never sees the fact of like this is ridiculously well, bad? Okay, so here's, even for him, here's my even here's my theory. I, I I have only one theory for this because I don't know. I really don't. Um, or do they like? Do they have like the secret where we can just run stuff and don't have to like maybe? So so here's trying to f- sort of get a handle on what uh, what happens there. I think that if I looked back at my own programming over the... Okay, so I have done it for 30 years now. So if I look back at the 30 years that I've been programming computers, uh, there are plenty of times uh, earlier on... I don't do it so much anymore because I think I've probably gotten better at this part of it. But certainly in, say, the first 20 years of programming... There were times when I conceptualized something and I went down a path and the thing that I ended up with was a completely unusable pile of garbage, <laughs> right? I like had this big idea of like how I was going to do something and all these things were going to work together and, and, then I, and I worked for a couple months and then the thing at the end was a disaster. And like it was, <laughs> took, more, it took more lines of code to yeah. get it to do the thing it was supposed to do than if you just wrote the thing that you were trying to get it to do <laughs> sure. yourself, right? It happens a lot, yeah. So what I think happens, and when I, and I look back and it's like, that literally happened. That could happen any time during like literally like 20, 20 years maybe of my thing. Most programmers I think at Microsoft now have been programming probably less than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably, yeah. I think what happens is a lot of these APIs they ship are because they did exactly what I did during those times. And then it came to the time when they had to release it and mm. it fucking went out the door that way. Something that yeah. I would never in my wildest dreams ever ship to anybody is what now everyone's using. And I think all these things are that way. I think like, you know, uh, uh, things like Direct Show, I think that's absolutely what happened. They're people inexperienced, don't have the right metrics in their head, won't have those metrics for another 20 years, if ever. I mean, they might not be people who are even capable of leveling up mm-hmm. to the point where they might just not even ever be that good of a programmer. Sit there and go, oh, it's going to be this thing. They have a great idea. It's going to be these things. We plug them together, and then you can make this. It's just like using you know, outboard media gear, and like it's going to be cool. And they may even sort of realize when they finally have to ship it, they're like, when we have to write Man, the example programs, usually work. when they write the if examples, if they even do, because they, they may not, have, they may not have learned that. Yeah. One of the primary things you learn is always write well, the no. sample code first. They may never learn that. Well, yeah, they, I'm saying there's people at Microsoft who do t- who do sample code. They may never oh, literally have done sample code. I see, which is a huge problem, right? Yeah. You know, it's a huge problem. They may not realize that's a huge problem. Um, so. You know, I think that's sort of what happens. And then the problem is it's, it's a latching mechanism. Once that goes out into the wild, it's there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where you're at. So I think a lot of times that sort of happens. Like manifests, they probably sat down and someone who is very inexperienced, you know, doesn't uh, – is and again, maybe will never be a great programmer. They sit down and they're like, we're trying to fix this problem. And there's or a bunch of them in the room. Or a good programmer and they just they're a bunch messed of them in the room. up. Like I said, it, it's, yeah. but I don't know. I, so yeah. I'm not even presupposing they're a good programmer. But even if they were, like me, like I said, I've made these mistakes before. They sit down and they go, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a, you know, a file that lists the things that it needs so we'll always know from now, blah, blah, blah. And they just don't see down the road what that's actually going to lead to. And by the time it actually gets out there, they don't 
they either can't fix it or it's like, you know, they don't see the they don't see the problem with it because they're not actually doing active deployment with that thing. And it's just everyone else who suffers. And so I think that I can see how either not good programmers or good programmers who just haven't learned enough yet can get into those situations. And the problem is just in my situation, I can just throw that away. But in their situation, that's not what happens to that thing. And so if at some level, if you wanted to fix this at a systemic scale, you would have to start embracing the fact that projects actually fail and can't go out the door. Like APIs have to not ship sometimes and you Mm -hmm. have to stop doing that. And that's a very different, difficult thing for a company to manage around and structure. And I think it's just not happening. And so as a result, you get things like the Android SDK, you get things like uh, WinRT that are just, these are inexperienced programmers with bad ideas who haven't learned enough and who worse yet may never be good programmers. They might not be people who have that talent. And they're like, this is what I cobbled together on my machine because I, I got had Sigwin and I got yeah. it working, and I happened to have right. Make and 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 then uh, boom, we had to run the PHP yeah. and the Perl thing to yeah. do this. I just had this, and then somebody says, "We got to well, now. We got to ship that to everybody." And you're else. like, "What?" Yeah. And then you get a yes. then you burn a VM yes. and send the VM out exactly. because you couldn't figure out how to make that. work. And I and I think that 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 is a, a fair bit of it. There's there's yeah. obviously I could see that. There's obviously other times. Um, when people are actively optimizing the wrong metrics and they're, that's simply a case of you not being good enough to realize what is important yeah. here. But again, like I said, I think every mistake that I see made in these things are mistakes that I myself have made. And the reason that I know not to make them now was because I went through that. So if there are programmers who are on these things who have never had that educational process, then that is the problem. Yeah. You need very experienced very good programmers to design APIs. It is the hardest single job in programming that there is, bar none. And it is almost never given the attention that it deserves. Um, So like, and I mean that literally. There is literally no programming task harder than making APIs. And a lot of that is probably that our languages are very primordial, and so there's a lot of complex trade-offs. Which dovetails... Well, also because... uh, because of latching thing like it has to be good because you're going to end up supporting that good or bad for a long time unless you just toss it yes well there's there's so many reasons why apis are important uh a is that they do tend to stick around for Mm -hmm. longer than you expect Mm -hmm. right um and so basically you have to respect that part b it is a one-to-many problem you're going to design this api once but then Tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes millions of people have to deal with it. So the leverage is incredible. One mistake that costs an extra hour of programming's time in your API means a million lost hours if a million people write programs in that language, right? Or worse, an easy uh, uh, if you write an API that's easy to write a Bug, that's a million bugs. That's a million bugs. Exactly. (laughs) So the leverage is huge on an API. Even if it's just internal to your company, the leverage is usually huge because usually you're talking about something that lots of people use for a lot longer than you expect, right? So there's that. And then the other thing that's super important that that is sort of central to the problem, the reason why I say that you need your best people on it, is because APIs involve making very complex decisions about trade-offs and usability that is different from everywhere else in your code. Like figuring out at this sort of main primary interface layer, 
the degree to which mistakes there because of that leverage come into play is way worse than it is in lower pieces of code. So if someone chooses the wrong functional decomposition for something in a lower piece of code, the impact to the code around it is much less because there's only one little mm -hmm. layer of cruft that actually ends up forming there. But if that gets pushed out to the API level, now literally everything you write for the rest of time with that library has that cruft on it. Right. It's really bad the way the leverage pushes out that way. And so it really is the most important thing. It's very poorly understood. I don't even know. I, I gave that uh, talk a long time ago that's like talking about reusable components and how they need to be designed. I'm not even aware of a single other person who's ever fucking given a lecture <laughs> on actual criteria for good APIs. Right. I literally know of not, a, not even talking good ones. I don't even know of a single person who's ever even fucking tried besides me. That's how much people don't seem to care. Well, I would also say the the bar for which people refer to something as an API now is yeah, so it's like, low. It's, it's, like, it's like if I exported a function, no, it's, it's, it's an it's, API. Here, yeah. Or no, no, no. Here's a protocol and the, and the structure that comes back okay, on the XML. Right, right. That's our API to right, Facebook. You're right, like, right, right. That's... Yes. That's not an API. I'm sorry. That's not an API. That's a that's a protocol and some that's fucking a transfer and some structs with no goddamn with no goddamn so example. So this dovetails into yeah. your fact of talking about platform fatigue. Uh, actually, leads into one other thing that I want to talk about on that sort of uh, programmer motivation. Are they doing work? There's a thing that happens with older programmers, more experienced programmers, that doesn't happen with younger programmers. It's one of the reasons that sometimes uh, older programmers aren't as productive as younger programmers, even though they're better programmers. And that is, uh, I, I don't have a good term for this. Uh, I think there probably is a Grecian myth that, that uh, <laughs> would be appropriate. In fact, I think there might be. Isn't there a myth about like a person who, has, who is going to die, but they get to choose how they're killed or something like this? I don't remember. So I thought you were that would be if there was a myth for that, that's the one. Okay. Uh, but so basically, uh, at some point, because of the that gap, I think although I am sort of talking about that gap explicitly and openly here, and I feel like people probably understand it. What I, what I just said, mm -hmm. I think they're probably. I realize that most people probably haven't been thinking about the gap that way necessarily, and that might be a different perspective for them. But I think they all feel it if they're experienced mm -hmm. programmers. They feel the gap. And what I think this translates to is when you sit down at your computer and you are an experienced programmer and you have a task to do, you know, given the tools that you have and the time that you have to do it, you know that you are going to write something shitty. <laughs> you know. Right. And it's not your fault. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. You couldn't work twice as long today and have it come out. It is simply a case of making the thing that is performant, you know, reusable, concise, easy to all the things that you know you could do is not possible in the language that you've been given, <laughs> right? With the tools that you've been given to write it and view it in. So you know sitting down that what your task actually is today is to pick the least important one of those things or multiple of those things to give up. <laughs> so when I sit down to write this piece of code, it's not about the excitement of figuring out how to write this page layout piece of code that I'm going to write. Because you know and I know that we can both sit down and write 
page layout code in five hours, any day of the week, <laughs> not a problem. The difference between that and the page layout code we want and know <laughs> is conceptually possible is non-traversable, <laughs> right? Because every step of the way, we've got to say something. First, oh, well, I've got to first choose which character encoding it's going to be in. There's no way to really write a piece of code that is character encoding agnostic, even though conceptually it is trivial to conceive <laughs> of it that way. The actual act of programming that out is almost impossible. Like, oh, maybe, and then you're starting to think, like, well, I could templatize it on the type of character, and ah, that's a bad idea. We know where that goes, and here's all these problems. I'll get into how to do that. It's like, okay, well, I could use a pound define, but okay, that's not going to work because I'm going to have to detect it, and I can't if on the pound define properly, or I'll end up with all this code that's hard to read because it's got all these if things. That... All you're doing in your head is sorting out what shit you will accept today. <laughs> And I think that that turns programming for experienced programmers into a very sanguinary process. It is about what blood will be shed today, <laughs> not about what new heights you will accomplish. I see. Right. Because we all know what the optimal thing is, and we all know, other than you sitting down and trying to conceptualize a new language today... You ain't getting there. Right. You ain't getting to the top of the mountain because the mountain is like floating in midair and you haven't a flying machine, right? <laughs> and so I think that I see that a lot with people. I know it happens with me. And it's one of the reasons that like, uh, you know, nowadays I spend a lot of my time metaprogramming. Mm -hmm. And it's because programming isn't fun anymore. I know all that's going to happen if I crack out an existing language, no matter which one it is, and don't fucking write in and say switch to right. get, because fuck you. I know programming very well, and I know for a fucking fact that your language blows. Whichever <laughs> one it is that you're about to say, fuck you and your language. <laughs> Period. Because they all suck, and nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Right? <laughs> but... Once you start to sort of take things a little bit more into your own hands, it starts to become a little bit more fun again because you can start to go like, oh, okay, now I am actually back to thinking about could I make progress? Whereas in today's languages, if you're actually programming directly in them, it's all about what do I forego? Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I agree with that. And so I wish there was a good name for that. Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel like there's got to be a Grecian myth I could use to nominate. Someone who's good with the classics. Mm -hmm. I don't think Steve thing. Theodore listens to the program, but if he did, he would point. He, he could come. Like, he could help us out here because he's, you know, I mean, he's a he's a Greek and Roman um, yeah. history almost PhD. I don't think he ever bothered to finish it, but you know, he's got he's got skills. He'd be able to pull the myth out. He would be able to pull that myth out, or story. Maybe it's not a myth. It could be a play or a book That's uh, right. from that period. I'm sure there. I'm sure it's there. Well, we didn't. I don't think we offered too much on Scrum and Agile, except to say that. If that's your problem, you're in a great place, but it's probably not your problem. And yeah, I, I mean, it's a, I, I think it's just a very uninteresting part of the problem. Yeah. And, and I guess what I would say is, like any other system, it's more important to understand what you're doing and whether it's having an effect than right. thinking about the system. So it's like, if you know, if you can see that your programmers are doing more work under the Scrum system than not under the Scrum system, then that was a win. Yeah. And maybe Scrum still sucks compared to other stuff you could be doing, but until you go try those other things, you wouldn't know. So you might as well start to use it, if, it that's, if that's what helps you. So I don't tend to criticize those two things much, but I do laugh at people who overstate the value. who are like, oh my God, we're working so efficiently. 
efficiently. It's like, no, you ain't working efficiently for shit. Like, <laughs> you apparently don't see these massive, you know, gaps in where you could be. So if you want to say Scrum gave us a little tiny boost, I might be with you on that one. But don't Probably. try to tell me that it was, you know, that you're getting up to close to, to how you should be working because you ain't. All right. We've gone. This is another long one, huh? We only do epic podcasts. What is this? What are we looking at? Can you see it? are 22. All right. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So thank you very much, Anders, for writing with that topic. Yeah, that was great. If you have a topic out there, if you are a person right now scrumming away at your desk and you have a topic that you would like an hour and a half of discussion on that does not yield anything fruitful or answer your question, you know where to send it. Podcast at jeffandcaseyshow.com. We will receive it and we will read it and then we will do something ridiculous like this with it on the air. Right, and that and then join us next week when we talk about McGruff the Crime Dog. Yeah, we didn't get to McGruff the Crime Dog. Yeah, we'll get back to him. But join us next week. And thanks everybody. Help us take a bite out of crime. (laughs)